Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe discuss the book of Ephesians and what this book reveals about prayer, Paul's heart for the church, and what it means to walk by the Spirit. We hope you've enjoyed our series through Ephesians and look forward to having you back in the fall. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines. Pastor Joe Sorgen. Welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. With my sermon series through the book of Ephesians now complete here at Church of the Open Bible, I thought it might be helpful for Pastor Joe and I to briefly reflect on what we've learned through this study and specifically some of the the big takeaways from this series. So does that sound good, Joe? great. Looking forward to it. Perfect. Well, how about you start? Sure. Well, uh, one thing that stuck out to me as we've been, you know, studying and preaching through book of Ephesians is specifically prayer. Uh, We see several times Paul, the apostle, the writer of Ephesians, is uh, speaking about prayer. But not only is he speaking about prayer, he also prays during this letter. He writes down his prayers for the Ephesian believers. In chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, he gives thanks to God for the Ephesian believers. And not only that, but he also just prays in general for them. He says, uh, you know, along the lines of may, uh, sorry, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. You may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And it goes on from there as well. And so he's, he's taking time to pray for the Ephesian believers. And he does the same thing in chapter 3. He prays that they may be strengthened spiritually by the power of the Holy Spirit working in them for uh, their day-to-day lives so they may walk in the Spirit. And then, of course, in chapter 6, he also speaks much about praying. He says, um, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then Paul specifically asked for prayer for himself. And again, that's all for the empowerment uh, that the Holy Spirit brings us when we pray for this life, for the battle that we're in. And so I thought it's pretty pretty neat, pretty encouraging to see all these different areas of prayer. And through that prayer, you can really see Paul, uh, his heart for the church. You can see uh, that he is praying for the battle. He He's praying for the gospel to go out, for the believers to understand and live out the gospel, and also that uh, believers would hear the gospel and that they may come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's that's Paul's heart. And you can really see it in his writings about prayer in this in this book of Ephesians. Yeah, I also was was struck by that. It is incredible how how much prayer comes out here and Paul's heart in prayer. And I think you mentioned it in your sermon last week on the armor of God passage at the end where Paul is encouraging them to pray and asking for prayer and specifically him asking for prayer in his evangelism, in his, in his gospel preaching, because you think Paul, I mean, if Paul was desperately asking for prayer, please. And that I'd I'd have wisdom and, and boldness that I'd know how to speak. And it's like, here's Paul, you know, the greatest missionary church planter evangelist, maybe in all of history outside of, of course, Jesus Christ himself, like that, that should cause us as ministers of the gospel and really all of us as, as Christians and in our evangelism to recognize how desperately we do need prayer and how God only works powerfully through people 
through prayer. And that's the channel he uses. And actually this was, has been a real motivation for me in the last while to uh, step up my game in prayer, if you want to put it that way. Um, just realizing how easily it is to be uh, in a good place with prayer and have some good habits of prayer, starting my day in prayer. And then how easy it is just to kind of that subtly slips away little by little. And before you know it, oh, I, you know, I'm not giving the same amount of attention to prayer as I once was or should. And so that's that's been challenging for me. Uh, also, just that praying for the church, Paul's heart. And of course, he wasn't just praying for the Ephesians. I mean, he's praying for all of these churches he planted. And it just made me realize how important it is to be praying for the church. And we have this online directory that uh, Darla set up a while ago and how helpful that's been. And just recently, I've been contacting people by text or a few phone calls as well, just to see, is there anything I can be praying for? And it's just amazed me how just by reaching out to people a little bit more, letting them know I'm praying for you. And is there anything I can be praying for? How every week someone has said, you know, that came at just the right time, I, I was going through something, I needed prayer and you you contacted me. And, and it just made me think of Paul's letter and when it arrived to the church in Ephesus through Tychicus, um, how certainly there would have been people there thinking, oh, wow, Paul is praying for us and, and look what he's praying for. And that's exactly what I needed him to be praying for. And I just, I wanna be that kind of pastor and I hope we wanna be those kind of people. And uh, it inspired me this month to be reading through a classic E.M. Bounds power through prayer, just a little classic on prayer that I encourage anyone else to check out. And I just want to read this quote. He says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Spirit can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. And that is so true. And I want to be a man like that. I know you do too. And definitely the book of Ephesians motivates us in that direction. Uh, another thing I would just say, and this is connected to that, is how the centrality of the church in the Christian life comes out again and again here. I mean, already at the end of chapter one, where he's, he's talking about the body of Christ, verse 22 to 23 says, and he put all things under his, that's Christ's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's an incredible statement. And then of course, uh, later on in chapter two, he goes to unpack the church. That's the household of God, the one new man, Jew and Gentile together. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Chapter three, talking about how that's the mystery of the gospel. We didn't see this in Old Testament revelation, but now in the New Testament, we see that there's this one new body of Jew and Gentile together. Chapter four, the unity of the church then. And, and you know, as he goes on to talk about practical aspects of the Christian life, he, he does it in the context of the church and how the church is given gifted men who then equip the saints for ministry. And uh, it just goes on. There's this deep uh, connection between the Christian life and the church. And what we see here in Ephesians, which really is this wonderful summary of the Christian life, that those things cannot be disconnected. The Christian life is meant to be lived in the body of Christ. And I think of uh, Wesley, John Wesley, who once said, uh, there's nothing so unchristian as a solitary Christian. The, the Christian life is meant to live, be lived out in the body of Christ. And we see that again and again as well, which is a very key, important reminder. And I think also should be a motivation for us as a church, as now we are able to meet in larger numbers again, that we would want to be a people who are just desperate to be back together in worship and fellowship and, and look forward to more of that.
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, no, that, that time's coming quickly, which is great as well. And we, we certainly should anticipate and look forward to being able to meet together as that is so important as Paul highlighted in the book of Ephesians. Um, just a, another thing that I thought was really interesting about the, the book of Ephesians was, was simply, you know, Paul explains what it looks like to walk by the spirit and, uh, and that's really good. Putting on the new self, I really like that as well. And Pastor Jay, you really highlighted it in your sermon. It's not just the putting on, there's the putting off. You know, there's, you put off and you put on. And that language is really evident in chapter four, which I really appreciated. Um, and so there's that practicality there. But Paul actually gets even more practical yet. He doesn't just kind of talk about these different areas where it's like, you know, with our speech, we put off falsehood and we put on truth. Or, or in other areas as well, but he really gets down to just the day-to-day -day life and uh, tells us very practically what it looks like to walk by the Spirit in newness of life in areas like marriage and with children and parents and slaves and masters, or in our context, just work and uh, our relationship with our employee or employer. And so I just thought, you know, that's that's really, really good because that is just the day-to-day -day life. All of us uh, either are married or have kids or have parents or are working. And so it's just very, very practical. And I thought uh, for myself, especially just as I am going to be married quite soon, uh, it was just something that really stuck out is Ephesians 5, of course, walking by the Spirit in regards to marriage. And what does that look like? Uh, it was just a really, really good challenge. And of course, I, I know that passage and know it well, but I remember when we were, when we were working through that on, on that Sunday, I got to thinking like, Ooh, like this is a, this is an, a huge responsibility to be a husband as it is a huge responsibility to be a wife. And ultimately, uh, I can't do it. Not on my, not on my own. That's for sure. And that's why, uh, Paul says, you know, we must be filled with the spirit. Uh, and and it's the spirit that's working in us because I can't lead my wife like like Christ leads the church. No way, you know that's impossible. But uh, but with Christ as the perfect example and and the Holy Spirit living within me, uh, I can. And uh, and that's just that's so amazing. And it is it is a big challenge. And then of course even connected to that too, just with uh, slaves and masters and thinking about the work that I do whether that be work here at the church or just work um, doing other stuff outside at home, whatever, whatever work looks like. Uh, just thinking about, you know, am I ultimately serving Christ in this too? And, um, and again, in and of myself, it's not going to happen. Um, but ultimately with the spirit indwelling us, uh, being filled with the spirit, we can, and we are able to. And so uh, yeah, that was something that really, really stuck out to me in the book of Ephesians and, and was a big challenge as well. That's good. And really there again, we see the importance of recognizing the form of the letter and that Paul, I've said this a number of times in the series, but begins the first half of the letter with the indicatives, the, the R. This, this is who you are in Christ, our spiritual wealth, and then goes on to the imperatives, this is what you need to do, the oughts, right, um, our, our spiritual walk, and that that uh, pattern, or that order, we would say, of who you are in Christ, and then what you do in Christ is intentional, because it just recognizes that 
we cannot do anything apart from Christ and apart from the gospel and apart from all of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, which then make it possible to go live this practical life, whether it's in our marriage or family or work. And I, I find that um, very helpful too, to think about the fact that you're mentioning marriage and family and work, just how, how it elevates those things when we consider that, you know, marriage is this picture of the gospel, that children are to obey their parents in the Lord and children and parents are to bring up their children in the discipline instruction of the Lord. And in the work we do, we're to do it unto the Lord. Like you said, I, that has been very helpful in a practical daily way, especially the work part. I've realized that when I'm doing the dishes or, you know, brushing my kid's teeth before bed or uh, doing some yard work, just that, oh, if I'm doing this in a heart of love and service through the spirit as to the Lord and out of love for my neighbor, out of love for my, my family in that situation, that it pleases God. And that, again, if Jesus was to come back in the moment in which I'm doing the dishes, I do not need to be ashamed if I'm doing it to the Lord or, or feel like, oh, I wish I was praying when you came, you know, or doing something more spiritual, sharing the gospel. Those are great things that we need to be doing, but it's not that somehow doing the dishes or changing a diaper or raking leaves is, is less spiritual and less pleasing to God if we're doing it for him. So yeah, I found that very helpful as well. Um, I also found it interesting, you know, if you think about the book of Ephesians, how there are some of the most profound theological writing in the whole New Testament is found in those first chapters, especially chapter one and two. And that, that you know, well, you can't even mind the depths of, I mean, that, that introductory uh, verses, chapter, uh, verse three to 14, I believe that, that one long Greek sentence there, I mean, that is such a profound passage just dripping with deep theology but then you get to chapter five and six and and four even and it's like here are just some incredibly practical truths and so i love that about ephesians it, it's just got both and shows that both of those should be part of the christian life um, deep study of the word is important but so is uh just living every day for the glory of god in practical ways so yeah that, that's that's a good word um one thing I want to mention, though, back to that introductory uh, big giant sentence in chapter one, verses three to 14, he starts it off with this profound statement that I have been meditating on ever since we started this series, where he says that in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, of course, he goes on then to spell out what some of those are. And yet that every, that, that word, it just boggles my mind. You know, we talk about counting your blessings, great thing to do. And yet, if that's true in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We can never count them all. I mean, it's, it's beyond our wildest dreams, the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, that, that wealth we have, like that image of, you know, in, in that bank account, if you like, in heaven. And it's just, we can, with, there's, there's an endless supply of spiritual wealth, of spiritual blessings we can just draw from constantly. And we can never know the full extent of that. It's, it's incredible. 
to, to think about. And, and I, I found that very helpful for me and, and motivating and um, just as I've meditated on that truth, it's, it's made me all the more thankful. And like Paul says in those verses, it's made, it made, it's made me want to uh, glory in the Lord and his grace and, and to bless him for how he's blessed me. So that's another thing I've just found helpful and something to be thinking about and meditating on throughout this series. Anything else? What would be some other things you've taken away? No, there's a, a few other things. And, and one thing uh, that you kind of mentioned briefly, chapter two, but I, I just love this one phrase that's used a couple times in chapter two. Uh, I've always thought it was so amazing, but God. Uh, it's just so good. You know, at the beginning of Ephesians 2, it really lays down for us uh, how wretched we are apart from Christ, how we are dead in our, in our trespasses and sins. We follow the way of the world. We essentially, we follow the prince of the power of the air. We follow the devil. And uh, we're dead. We're, there's no hope for us but God, who is rich in mercy. And that's just so, oh, so good. And every time I read it, it's just like, like it almost brings tears to my eyes every time. And I think, <laughs> I think it should, not that I think we need to be overly emotional, but um, if we really truly consider those two words and what came before it and what comes after, uh, it, it almost should bring tears to our eyes. You know, we, we do not deserve God's grace and God's love, but he is in his mercy has lavished them on us. And that is just so amazing, so powerful. Um, and, and it goes on, of course, in Ephesians 2 to say uh, that it's by faith uh, because of God's grace and just whew, that free gift of grace just blows me away. And uh, Ephesians 2 is one of the clearest pictures of that. And it's just, just so great. And then, of course, later on in Ephesians 2 as well, it, it says the same same thing, but now in Christ Jesus, it's kind of the same, same kind of phrase. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And it shows us that, uh, yeah, God brought us near, but it was costly to him. Free for us, costly to him. It cost, cost Jesus the blood of Christ. It cost him his life. And of course, we know he rose again on the third day. But um, And it's not like this is anything new. We all know this. Uh, but it's just every time I read Ephesians, I just love that chapter. And it's so, so good, so powerful. Yeah, we should be in awe of God's grace. And that passage, like you said, especially because starting with the bad news of just this wretched, desperate situation we were in with no hope. And then, yeah, but God, by his grace, saved us through faith. Yeah, amazing. I just still, I, I shared that story in my sermon. I think I even shared it when I interviewed Charlie Bing, but to me, it just captures how we should respond to this incredible news of God's grace and the gospel of grace is again, Harry Ironside talking about being at that evangelistic um, meeting years ago. And this man, this new convert came up and shared about how God had saved him. And it wasn't by works. It was all by grace. And after he sits down, this man who had been planning and sort of emceeing the meeting went up and said, well, that was very good, sir. But, uh, 
you know, you made it sound like God did everything. Surely you did your part. And the man jumps up and he's like, oh, I did my part. My part was I ran from him as hard as I could, as far as I could. I ran into sin and away from the savior. That was my part. But he came and he found me and he saved me by grace, even though I was dead in my sins and running from him as hard as I could. I just love that. I just think that that should be, that is all of our story, whether uh, we realize it or not all the time. It's, it's amazing, his grace. And yet what I love is when we get to the practical section, if you want to put it that way, of, of chapter, starting in chapter four, the grace of God comes out again. But in chapter four at the beginning, the grace now is comes out in the gifts that Christ gives believers, those who, who are already in Christ and are saved. And he talks specifically about, by his grace, giving gifted men to the church, um, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. And then he goes on to say that the role, our role as pastor teachers, is to equip the saints for ministry. And when I preached on that, I mentioned how the biblical model of church ministry is what we might call an every member ministry, right? Where all the saints do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. And he gives that beautiful picture then of how we grow into mature manhood, into the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ when we're all doing our part. And I, a number of people afterwards said they just loved that, that image and they loved that phrase, every member ministry. And I really think that is something I long to see more of in our church and a deeper understanding of that and a deeper practice of that. And not just ours, but others. So I really think that's something that has been lost in so many churches today, at least in North America, where we've become too dependent on uh, paid pastors and staff doing all of the ministry. Uh, or maybe we think just a few really committed people that do the ministry, that whole classic thing where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And yet that's not the biblical model. And I just long for us to see in our church more of an every member ministry where we are equipping the saints and then they're going and ministering to one another. They see a need, they don't right away think, well, how can the church meet that need? Or how can the pastor meet that need? Or, or how can we start a program to meet that need? But rather, how can I meet that need? right? I'm aware of it. This person's before me. I'm going to minister to them. I'm a Christian. I'm growing. I know the word. I, I can pray. I can minister to these people. I don't, I don't need some quote unquote professional person to do this. I, I long to see them. That's something I really want to be continuing to emphasize. And I hope both of us, I know, want to continue to emphasize that in the church, that we would have more of that every member ministry, because that's, that's God's design. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and there's so many different ways that that can look, uh, whether that is through different programs in the church, like, you know, uh, I'm always going to be looking for youth leaders. So let me know, or, or outside of programs of the church, like you were saying, you know, you're just meeting with someone, maybe someone else from the church, maybe someone from outside the church, and you realize, oh, they have they have this need. Yeah, like you said, I, I can help them. Uh, because I'm filled with the spirit too. Uh, I can do this, you know, through Christ who strengthens us. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's huge. We need to make sure that as, as people in the church, as bricks built together, that we are all involved in, in the ministry of the church as well. We don't just want, like you said, just the staff or just those choice few uh, to do all the work, but rather we want to be a church as church of the open Bible who, uh, works together uh, to, to bring the gospel to many and to minister to many as well. Yeah, because we can't do it all. The staff can't do it all. Council can't do it all. 
you know, the 20% of super committed volunteers can't do it all. Uh, and, and our church members have all these different areas of influence. They have all these different people they're interacting with in their lives that they can reach through evangelism, but also those other believers in the church or even other churches who they can minister to. And it's just a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, you mentioned that image of the bricks being built together from chapter two, and also again, calls us the household of God. We're, we're a family. And so that's what family does, right? Um, other than some extreme situations, if someone in my family is sharing a struggle they're going through, I'm not going to sit there thinking, well, I better find somebody who can help you, <laughs> right? It's like, I'm going to minister to you first and foremost. Maybe, maybe there can be some other people who can come help as well and have different gifts or different specialties. But as initially, I'm going to be the one who can help you and, and do what I can. That's how it is with my kids. I, I want to help first and, and do what I can. And that's how it should be in the family of God in the church. So I just love to see more of that family love and unity and ministering to one another more and more in the church. Anything else that you wanted to mention? or? Yeah, just, just one more thing uh, that really stuck out to me in reading Ephesians. And I mentioned it in, in my sermon when I preached in Ephesians 6 verses 10 to, to 20, but just the power of God uh, that's mentioned throughout the book of Ephesians. And it's not just mentioned generally, it's specifically the power of God over all other powers. No, there's nothing that compares to the power of God. Uh, and again, in chapter one, in verses 19, it, it talks about that great power that God has uh, working in us who believe, but then it also goes on to say from there later on uh, that his power and, and God himself is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Again, just God's power is above all or God is above all, and, and obviously that shows the power that he has. Or 3, verse 16, again, talks about God's power, his amazing power, and how it strengthens us, again, as believers. And then, of course, in, in chapter 6, it really, you know, really nails it down, the, the power of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And uh, ultimately, no power, even the devil, can come anywhere close to to God and His amazing, amazing power, and actually that is shown even back in Ephesians chapter two. I know we already talked about that, but you know the the power of God to bring us from death to life is seen very clearly in chapter two there as well, and and really just throughout the whole book, you can see it so clearly. And I think, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing to consider the power of God as we read and and see in the book of Ephesians. Yeah, and chapter 3, verse 20 says that that power is at work within us, right, through the Holy Spirit, yeah, so that we can trust God can do abundantly more than we ask or think, which is wonderful, wonderful, encouraging truth. There was one other thing, this is just a little thing that I wanted to mention, and I mentioned it because I, I, I just remembered, Joe, that you and I both at a staff meeting were talking about how this, this was uh, a truth, uh, an, an instruction that really got us both thinking. And this is from in, in uh, chapter five, where it's talking about walking in, in wisdom. And uh, verse 15 to 16 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And in this part, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And I just remember both you and I 
were struck by that. And, and I think all of us as a staff, we were talking about it one day and just how do we use our time? Am I making the best use of my time? Or as the King James had translated it in the past, redeeming the time, which is actually more literal, this idea of buying up the precious time we have and using it for good purposes. I just thought maybe we could end on that because as we're entering the summer months, maybe some of us sometimes, I know this is true for me, can, can kind of, if you like, take the, the foot off the gas a little bit. It's like, okay, it's summertime. You know, it's time to rest, time to relax a bit more, time to take holidays. Church ministry kind of slows down, all of that. And that's not a bad thing. There, there's, there, there can be seasons where things are busier, we're, we're, we're working harder, whether it's in our jobs or ministry or whatever. Um, and that's fine to take a bit of a break. But I just think that's a good challenge for the summer to remember, yes, but I still want to be a, able to say I'm using my time wisely and that the rest I may be experiencing, that is for the purpose of in the next season um, going hard again. Or okay, I maybe have some holidays. I don't know about our listeners, but I often find that the temptation on my holidays from work is to take a holiday from the Lord as well, in the sense of maybe spending less time in the word and prayer, when really I have more time than ever to do it. Or maybe I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't have the lost on my mind as much because I don't, that, that's, that is, uh, a burden or something like that. And, and I, and I want to just take that burden off of me for a week and just have me time that, that sort of thing. I think this is a good reminder for all of us as the summer months approach, let's make sure that we are making the best use of our summer. And a huge part of that is making sure that, Hey, as the restrictions are being lifted, we make the best use of that opportunity to make sure we are gathering with the church even when it's a beautiful Sunday morning and maybe we think, uh, maybe this Sunday I'm going to go to the golf course instead or that kind of thing. No, like we can be together in such larger numbers. Let's make the most of it. And let's make the most of being able to start having people in our homes again and meeting in parks and barbecues and all that. Just, just to be a final encouragement I'd want to mention, which I think, Joe, you would agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's been a blast preaching through Ephesians. What a joy. Uh, a great summary of the Christian life, life in Christ. And we hope that as we've just reflected on, on a few of the things that struck, stuck out to us through this uh, series and this study, that it'll encourage you as well to spend some time maybe reflecting back on, on the book and some of the passages and some of the sermons and some of the ways it can apply to your life. It's been a pleasure. Now, before we, we sign off, we just want to let you all know that this summer we will be taking a break from the podcast. So this will be our last one until the fall, but we will be back in September and stay tuned for that. We have some interesting plans in the works and we will get that information out to you. Also want to let you know that we have started another podcast from just the pulpit. So basically some people have been asking can we get the sermons on a podcast form so that we can download them? You know, someone had said, when I'm biking, I, I want to listen to the sermons, but I don't have enough data to be doing, you know, YouTube. So also check that out. Uh, hopefully we'll have, I can't remember what we were calling it, but it'll be in the show notes when this comes out. I think we were calling it Preach the Word maybe. Um, so you can check that out as well. 
But again, stay tuned for the fall. We've enjoyed doing it this year and we're hopefully going to continue with the podcast in the year to come. So until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long, have a wonderful summer. Yeah.